All right, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Tuesday night, as I am recording this late into the night, following what was really an incredible performance. Simply incredible. From the Milwaukee Bucks, as they defeat the Phoenix Suns 105-98 in Game 6 to become NBA champions. The Milwaukee Bucks of all teams. How incredible is that? It's been 50 years since the Bucks were able to say that they could raise an NBA title to the rooftops. And it was a game. It was a great game. Sloppy game, to be clear. But there were some incredible moments tonight and some incredible moments in this series. If you don't like that, you don't like NBA basketball. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Both teams were incredible throughout these playoffs, and the resiliency of the Milwaukee Bucks to be able to come back from the spots that they were, to be able to come back from last year and be able to do what they just did, it takes a lot. It takes a ton. And you can't say anything to that effect without bringing up Giannis Antetokounmpo. In this game, 50 points, 50, 14 rebounds, 5 blocks, 17 of 19 from the free throw line. He has had to endure so much. And he's had to endure a lot of people making fun of him, a lot of people discrediting him. James Harden saying that he's a seven-footer with no bag because he doesn't have any skill moves and whatnot. Well, that man just won a title. That man just did something incredible. He went back to play with his own guys and played with the poise and focus needed and the dominance necessary to become an NBA champion. He was unstoppable all series, to be frank. 20 points, 17 rebounds, 4 assists in Game 1 after coming back from a hyperextended knee. 42-14-4, or 42-12-4, excuse me, in Game 2. was the only guy that really showed up for that game and they lost on the road. Did it again. 41-13-6 in Game 3, they got the dub. Game 4, a little bit of a, a slacking performance. 26-14-8, 3 steals and two blocks, including the uh, incredible rejection that he had against DeAndre Ayton in what was a tie game in the going into the last minute, basically. Blocked what was just, it, it was, it was the defining moment of the series where things really started turning. The Suns could have won it right there, going up 3-1 in the series, but the Bucks and Giannis had other plans. He comes back, blocks that in game four. Chris Middleton in that game helps close things out with some incredible shot making. Then in game five, Giannis goes for 32, nine and six, had the winning alley-oop off of the Drew Holiday steal in the closing seconds. That play was unbelievable. I I remember screaming and, and just making some incredibly awkward noises, just trying to comprehend what I had just seen. And now, 50 points, 14 rebounds, 5 blocks, 17 of 19 from the free throw line for a guy that struggles to shoot. It was awesome to see an incredible, historic performance. Just the seventh player in NBA history to score 50 in a finals. 
That includes guys like MJ and LeBron. Giannis is putting himself into a pantheon, and he adds a finals MVP, a ring to the resume that already includes two MVPs, already includes one Defensive Player of the Year, five All-Star appearances. He's still 26. And there's a reason why I include him when I talk about the international pillars of next of like the next generation with him, Jokic, Luka, and perhaps Joel Embiid. Incredible stuff. Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday were excellent supporting players tonight. Middleton, 17 points on 13 shots. Uh, obviously, they didn't need a ton of offense given that Giannis was going for 50. They needed to hold the Suns to a low scoring total. And I predicted this, actually. This is something that I could take credit for. I was on with Anilo Piro on Mile High Sports yesterday and talked about how game six was they needed to be defensive-minded. And Middleton was. Four steals in this one. Played great defense on Devin Booker in switch situations. Played great defense all around. Jay Crowder goes inefficient. Uh, Mikhail Bridges goes inefficient. Devin Booker goes inefficient. We'll talk about them. Drew Holiday. 12 points on 4 of 19 shooting. He had another stinky shooting performance. But it almost didn't matter. Like, it almost just nobody cared. Because of the 11 assists, 9 rebounds, and 4 steals while playing incredible defense on Booker and CP3. He just wore them down throughout this series. And there was some incredible shot making by Booker in games 4 and 5. But it didn't matter. Because Drew Holiday was always going to keep coming back. There was one play uh, that Drew had in this particular game where he he uh, Booker catches the ball. Drew's out of position, but he guesses right, gets in front of Booker on his drive, doesn't foul him, and then picks Booker clean. It's just incredible stuff. Uh, Booker was very uncomfortable throughout the most of this game and throughout a lot of the times where Drew Holiday was the primary defender, so... Really great stuff from Drew. Brooke Lopez had a massive hammer dunk. He played pretty well in, in a drop coverage tonight. Didn't finish the game because of another guy that I'll mention, but and he also missed some threes. But he's good. He was good. He was good in this game. Did his job. Uh, played, I think, about 27 minutes. That's all you can really ask for. Brooke Lopez. Uh, excuse me. I already said that. Uh, PJ Tucker. Impactful against CP3. Not perfect, but he was the guy, like, imagine in this situation, you've lost your starting shooting guard in Dante DiVincenzo, who would be taking on the CP3 assignment with Drew guarding Booker. You lose him, and Tucker is inserted into the starting unit, and it's made very clear that, like, it's going to be tough on the offensive end, because now you're playing, basically, P.J. Tucker as a shooting guard, or even a point guard at times. Not like with the ball in his hands, but just from the size of the players on the court. But he still made it work because he's such a switchable defender, such an effort guy. He wasn't perfect, and he didn't give anything on the offensive end, but he was really good just giving effort and making sure guys work for it. But Bobby Portis was a big story tonight. 16 points off the bench, the crowd just cheering Bobby throughout the entire game. It was awesome. He was impactful as a defender too, but had two threes and gave us one of the great highlights of this series when CP3 tries to go after uh, 
I think it was Tony Brothers uh, for a non-call that he made. Uh, Bobby Portis kind of stands in between him and and Chris Paul and Tony Brothers or whoever the official was. And Chris Paul's just trying to get through him, trying to get around him and getting a little angry. And Bobby's just looking down at him, smiling like a maniac. It was really funny. I laughed my head off so hard. Milwaukee, they love Bobby. And and it's clear why. Like, he, he was a great role player tonight and did exactly what he needed to do to give Milwaukee the edge. And when guys weren't shooting well, he was the only guy who was shooting efficiently. So that was really impressive to see. On the other side, like I mentioned, Devin Booker, inefficient shooting night, 19 points on 22 shots, 0 of 7 from 3. Had five assists to six turnovers. This was not a good game for Devin Booker, and uh, he was just off. He was just plain and simple. The, the defense that was being played on him was really, really good, and Milwaukee bogged down their offense by forcing him into really tough situations, cutting off other passing angles, and then having Drew Holiday, their best defender, preventing him from getting good shots. He had to work for everything, and, and it just wasn't good enough tonight. Chris Paul had a better game than him, for sure. Uh, 26 points, 5 assists, creating well for others. It just wasn't really enough, though. And uh, He had a lot of potential assists, Chris Paul did, that kind of went by the wayside because of how inefficiently Phoenix's role players shot. They could not hit outside shots. They were 6 of 25, good for 24%. Certainly feels like the pressure got to them this series, and all the role players felt it. Uh, Jay Crowder goes two of nine. Uh, Mikhail Bridges, I think he had six points on seven shots. Uh, DeAndre Ayton goes four of 12. That pick and roll combination was not as good. And it's too bad because they needed to get DeAndre Ayton involved for some easy buckets. But four of 12, uh, that's not the efficiency that they were hoping for. If they got eight of 12, which was normal, would have won the game or would have been closer. Maybe Cameron Payne is the exception here. 10 points on six shots. He was a plus nine and an eight-point loss. Um, but when you've got CP3 and you've got Devin Booker, you're going to ride with those guys. And so it's hard to it's hard to say, oh, man, you got to carve out more minutes for Cameron Payne. Uh, and so I think that, that wasn't a, a poor decision by any means. It was just tough. They needed better from Devin Booker. They needed better from the role players around Chris Paul. And it's going to be really tough for them. But uh, overall, what a series. The Suns had an excellent run. Uh, I still think that Denver would have beat them at full strength. But it would have been close. Like, imagining Jamal Murray and Devin Booker dueling would have been a lot of fun. We've seen that before. Uh, It would have been a lot more difficult for the Suns to attack Denver defensively if they're always having to focus on covering Jamal Murray. And then Michael Porter's the third option. And then Will Barton's the fourth option. Then Aaron Gordon's the fifth option. Things like that. Like, it would have been a lot different. I really do genuinely believe that. But you got to give the Suns credit. They were incredible. And they were incredible throughout the entire postseason. They played with a lot of swagger. They played with a lot of pride. And they kind of embodied what what Chris Paul was bringing to them. What Devin Booker grew into being. Um, And I think that they will be back as long as Chris Paul is back there. I hope he is, frankly. That's a that is a really quality team. Uh, that is just a perfect team for Denver. That if they have to rise to the top, that is a team you have to beat. Uh, 
the Bucks, they had to earn it. And the Suns made them earn it with everything that they did. Great coaching, great set design, great execution from their players for the most part. The Bucks had to earn this, and they did. Uh, the Suns, I want to see the Nuggets beat them on their rise to the top. Kind of quash those demons a little bit. Figure out how they can uh, get to the top. You have to find out how to beat the best teams. And the Suns are going to be one of the best teams in the NBA going forward. Given that their guys are still so young. They're still learning. Outside of Chris Paul and Jay Crowder, of course. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the building of a title contender in Milwaukee. But first, this podcast, as you know, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, this is America's top-rated sportsbook app. I used it tonight. Got a really nice deal on Bucks and the Under. That cashed for me. Lots of great options for you to, to go in and uh, bet on the Bucks, bet on the Suns, bet on uh, NBA Futures. They just came out after the after the Bucks were crowned champions. So I know that the Nuggets are 20 to 1. If you wanted to go bet on them for the future title odds, uh, I'm not saying that the Nuggets are going to win the title next year, but I'm not saying they're not going to win the title next year. So if you're interested, I think you should definitely log in. Uh, go sign up for DraftKings. Use promo code MHS when you sign up. They're going to give off great deals uh, every time for new users. They always do it. So make sure to check them out. Uh, must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Uh, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, if you could, would love it if you could rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. I put in a ton of effort. Uh, these episodes have been great. I really do think uh, continuing to try to put out good, versatile content and, and talk about the things that matter while also prepping Nuggets fans for the offseason and what's to come. So this particular podcast is going to be Sort of a deviation from that in the in the middle of everything that's going on here. We want to give Milwaukee their flowers, and I think they deserve it. And Nuggets fans should hear about their journey. Uh, this has been a really incredible rise for this Milwaukee team. They had to go through a gauntlet in order to get where they are. Uh, it starts off with drafting Giannis in 2013. He was the 15th overall pick. Uh, a super, super athletic, super, super raw you didn't know what you were getting in that draft, but 2013, if everybody remembers, it was a pretty awful draft, and it was known that it was going to be an awful draft. So you wonder why teams don't necessarily take chances on players that are uh, potentially big hits. And you think about the players that went ahead of Giannis in that draft. I think the only one that really made it like, like he's really made a big time career was CJ McCollum. So. It's kind of crazy to see how that has transpired. Uh, they also acquired the Bucks. They acquired age 22 Chris Middleton in 2013 as well. Uh, he was coming off of a, a rookie season with the Detroit Pistons. 
and they didn't really know what they had in him. So the Pistons, they lose Chris Middleton at the age of 22, and he turns into just an absolutely incredible role-playing all-star. Somebody who, like role-playing all-star, it might minimize his contributions a little bit because at the end of these games, he's turned into like freaking Michael Jordan. So it's been pretty cool to watch. But the Bucks, after that, 2013-14, Giannis flashes his potential, but the Bucks they only win 15 total games. They're still so young. They're giving the young guys the keys. They draft in 2014 Jabari Parker with the second overall pick. Joel Embiid goes one pick after. And it's clear that that's a whiff, uh, despite the fact that Parker, like he had a lot of injury issues, uh, a lot of stuff where he was trying to be Carmelo Anthony, basically. And in this era, it was hard to grow into that role when you've got some other really young, talented players like Giannis and Middleton on that roster. And so they do go 41 and 41 under Kidd that year, uh, bringing some veterans. They had Brandon Knight, Michael Carter Williams, OJ Mayo, a smattering of other role players around some of those young guys. Uh, they lose in the playoffs that year. And then in 2015 16, they take a step back. Jabari Parker, they're trying to grow him into this role. It's not, it's eh. Michael Carter Williams, Greg Monroe, they're not really working out. Giannis had been starting for the entire season, basically. Uh, that's his third year. In his fourth year, 2016 17, Giannis really starts to find his stride. Middleton, he's taking a lesser role, though, despite the fact that he had been pretty good the previous year. Uh, he takes on a lesser role, gets hurt as well, and they try to feature Jabari Parker more in his age 21 season. Uh, they go 42 and 40, out in round one. Uh, wasn't perfect. They sort of recenter themselves around Giannis and Middleton the next year. Uh, Giannis, 27, 10, and 5 in his fifth year. Sounds like Jokic, to be frank. Uh, Middleton, he averages 25 and four. He's seen around the league and so many people are like, man, if only we could get Chris Middleton on our roster. We really think he could be like the, the third or fourth piece on a championship team just to kind of complete everything. I thought that I was hoping that the Nuggets would go hard after him, try to get, uh, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, a, a really great small forward that they could run with consistently. But in that season, 17-18, they acquire Eric Bledsoe. They lose to the young Celtics in a heartbreaking first-round exit in seven games. Jason Kidd, he gets fired that year. They bring in Mike Budenholzer for the next season, who had been coming off of some pretty tough uh, runs with the Atlanta Hawks, where just hadn't ever broken through, really showed some weakness at the top. That year, 2018-19, when he comes in, they win 60 games. It's a 16-game improvement over the previous season. Giannis wins MVP. He's added the best he's ever been. 28 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists, 1.3 steals, 1.5 blocks. They look like title contenders. And then they lose to the eventual title winner in the Toronto Raptors and Kawhi Leonard. And that was in the Eastern Conference Finals. And it was uh, it was the Fred Van Vliet performance where he just, he has a baby, and then in games five and six, just turns into an absolute flamethrower, and it derailed everything. 
Uh, but the Bucks weren't ready at that point. Despite the fact that they had done a lot, Giannis was still trying to work through things in the playoffs. So were the Bucks. So was Eric Bledsoe. Uh, they stay dominant the next season, 2019-20. They're on pace for 60 wins in the COVID-shortened year. Team gets shut down, or not team, uh, the NBA league gets shut down due to COVID. But when they come back from the bubble, Giannis, he repeats as the MVP. He's been even more dominant. 29.5 points, 15 rebounds, 5.6 assists, another one steal, one block series. Uh, They lose in a debacle in the second round to the Miami Heat. Eric Bledsoe turns into a pumpkin. Chris Middleton, not much better. It was really, really bad. It was just a really bad performance. And Giannis, he looked like he needed to figure some things out because twice in a row, he looked like he was really struggling with a lot of the things that other teams were doing to him in the playoffs. And then this season comes around. Really quick turnaround after the bubble, as Nuggets fans surely know. Uh, Nuggets fans were in the running. The Nuggets were in the running for Drew Holiday. I thought the Nuggets were going to get Drew Holiday. And then the Bucks come out of nowhere. They trade Drew. Hol- they trade for Drew Holiday. Send Eric Bledsoe, uh, George Hill, and three first-round picks and two first-round swaps to the New Orleans Pelicans for a player that many thought is he, is he really like that significant of an advantage over Eric Bledsoe when Bledsoe was playing well. They failed to sign Bogdan Bogdanovich in free agency kind of butchered that. They instead signed DJ Augustine, Bryn Forbes, and Bobby Portis. They did have Dante DiVincenzo, so he was going to start. They also had Pat Conton, who they re-signed. But it was enough. And Giannis, he signed the Supermax this past offseason. It was a big storyline. A lot of people were rejoicing. A lot of people breathing a sigh of relief. And the Bucks go on. They kind of have an up and down regular season. They're working through def- things defensively. It's pretty tough. Like they're switching more. Uh, they're trying to work in Drew on the offensive end, but offense isn't really the problem for most of it. It's defense. Is Brooke Lopez good enough? Is the bench good enough? Lots of questions. They add PJ Tucker in the middle of the season, and he gives them a little bit of a dynamic. Where when he's on the court and they're switching, he understands how exactly to do it because of his experiences with the Houston Rockets and their super small ball scheme. They get through the regular season and they have to face the Miami Heat. Demons from the previous year in the bubble. They go on to sweep the Heat. Some of those losses for the Heat were embarrassing. The Bucks were dominant. They were great. Second round. Brooklyn Nets, James Harden goes out early, but the Brooklyn Nets go up 2-0. Looks like they're going to dominate. And then Giannis matches KD's output. Chris Middleton, he comes up clutch several times in that series. Drew Holiday struggles a bit, but when KD is switched onto him, he does as great a job as any 6-4 guard ever possibly freaking could. And they win in seven. They come up clutch. They figure it out against the Nets. It was tough, but they ultimately did it. 
They also beat Atlanta in the next series, even though Giannis, he hyperextends his knee in game four, goes out in the middle. That series is tied 2-2, but they find a way to win the series in six. Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, Drew Holiday, other guys, they're all stepping up. Uh, Bobby Porter stepped up in that series as well. They got through it. The Atlanta Hawks weren't a great Eastern Conference Finals team. Nobody's going to question that. They, It should have been the, the Sixers, frankly. The Sixers should have been able to get there. They didn't, and we're going to laugh at them for it, justifiably so. But the Hawks, they got there. They weren't any match for the Bucks, though, at the end. And then you get to the finals. And Phoenix, man, they look like a juggernaut. They've been just running through the West. Nobody can stop them. Phoenix, they even go up 2-0 in this series. But as we talked about, Giannis recenters his focus. Bucks, when they go back to, to Milwaukee in game three, they figure things out. Drew Holiday hits a bunch of threes. Giannis scores 40. They win. Game four, epic. Had to work through it. But Chris Middleton dominates. They do a lot of great things. They squeeze out a great performance and tie the series at 2-2. Go back to Game 5 in Phoenix. Another dominant performance by Giannis. But this time, Drew Holiday is the guy to step up. Had like 27 points and 13 assists. Something absurd like that. Drew Holiday shows up in the biggest possible way. As does everybody else. Like, Middleton showed up in that game. Giannis showed up in that game. Pat Conton showed up in that game. And they win. And then in game six, Middleton makes clutch shots. Drew Holiday makes clutch defensive plays. And Giannis goes for 50. Wraps it up at the free throw line. Which is hilarious, by the way. What an incredible journey. It is impossible not to feel good for a team like Giannis and Milwaukee. They stuck with it. They stuck with it with their guys, too. Giannis and Middleton have been together for eight years. Eight total years. That's incredible. I think Nuggets fans and fans of small, mid-market teams, they should take solace in this for sure. There is a path. It's difficult. It's winding. It's just very tormenting in a lot of different ways. You got to get lucky. You got to have good timing and you've got to capitalize when your opportunity is there. But they did. But there's only one Giannis. He's one of one, quite clearly. He might be the best player in the NBA today. And it comes after eight years of an upward climb. It really does take a village, it takes everyone. It takes getting a bit lucky. Kevin Durant. If he wears a shoe size that's normal in Game 7, maybe the Bucks are going home instead of going into Game 7 overtime tied and then pulling it out there. Takes the other team, missing important shots at the right time. It takes role players, stepping up throughout the entire process. Pat Conson, Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez dropping 33 in Atlanta. Drew Holiday being the defensive pest that he is. Chris Middleton, stepping into his role. But then it also takes Giannis. Takes a superstar to center yourself around. There was a lot of discussion about this being the first year 
in a long time that we didn't have a player like Giannis, or not Giannis, uh, like LeBron, Steph, Durant, Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, Michael Jordan. Very few instances in the last, I don't know how many years, that we haven't had one of those top uh, Pantheon stars in the NBA Finals. The NBA world didn't have to settle for Giannis because Giannis is coming. Like, I've listed off his accomplishments. He's not going to go away. He's 26. This is going to continue to happen. Dropping 50 points in a game seven. Matching Kevin Durant in one round. Coming back from a hyperextended knee. And playing a week later. In an NBA Finals. He's doing things that no NBA player or very few players have ever done before. And he's doing it his way. So he deserves a ton of credit here. The Bucks franchise deserves a lot of credit. They built a practice facility. They reconfigured their entire district. And they did it so that 65,000 fans could stand outside the arena and watch and share in the joy that that fan base was able to have after such a hard and difficult journey, after 50 years of not having a title in their town. They finally did it. You gotta love it. It's going to mean a lot to this franchise. This title is going to mean a lot to the NBA for a long time, I think. I think this really signifies a change. Giannis said it tonight. He could have joined a super team. But he chose to do it in Milwaukee. And that choice matters. Wanting to go through the gauntlet and being the guy to do it matters. I hope Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter are seeing what this finals team did and are looking at it and thinking, man, we could absolutely do that. We are talented enough. We are capable enough. And you don't want to run just because it's hard. You want to fight through it because it's hard. Because sports should be difficult. Climbing to the top of the mountain should be tough. And when it's not, it feels a little dirty. For Giannis and the Bucks, it doesn't. This is an earned title. And I'm going to be enjoying this for a while. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to do our way too early 2021-22 predictions on the next season of the NBA. We'll be right back. Final segment here, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you guys are enjoying this episode. Uh, I will be on with Brandon Ewing on Friday. Uh, we are going to be doing a deep dive on the NBA draft, doing a ton of coverage at Denver Stiffs, both written and podcast, that have been awesome. Uh, I really do think that we're doing some incredible coverage over here. 
and taking a lot of time, taking a lot of energy. I've been familiarizing myself with the draft process and Skip as as well. And so we're going to be spending a lot of time on Friday. Uh, Next week, I'll be doing a free agency and draft preview and then talking to a draft expert on Wednesday. And then Friday, I'll be reacting to Thursday's draft and potentially bringing on some guests for that. So that is my plan over the course of these next this next week and a half or so. And then there will be other stuff that happens too. So I'm looking forward to it. Should be a lot of fun. But let's get into the last segment here. Uh, these are my way too early NBA 21-22 predictions. Uh, this is stuff that I've come up come up with off the cuff. This is stuff that I it, it's like if any of these are wrong, then I'm sorry. Like, look, it, it's so it's way too early. That's one of the reasons why I'm doing it. But I think this will be a fun one to come back to. That if any of this stuff actually happens, it'll be I'll look like the prophet, folks. I'll be uh, I'll be great. So I came up with a list of about 10, 11 things that I think are going to happen. Just kind of mapping out what the what the future of the NBA is going to look like and seeing if we can get some stuff right. First, Bucks, they're going to come back strong. They're going to be back at the Eastern Conference Finals next year. Giannis will look to defend his title along with Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. But I don't think that they're going to get to the finals. I think that they'll fall short. The New York Knicks, I think they're going to make a big move in this free agency period, but I don't think it's going to be the right move. I think they're going to try to sign DeMar DeRozan, and they're going to add him to a group that already includes, uh, they don't really have a great point guard situation, but they're going to double that with and use DeMar as a point guard in a lot of cases. They'll add him to Julius Randle, to RJ Barrett. They'll double down on size, try to have the playmaking at each of those positions that they can do be switchable. Uh, But I don't think it's going to work. I think they'll probably finish pretty high, but they're going to lose in the first round again. Philly. Tough offseason ahead for them. And I don't think it's going to end at Damian Lillard there. I think it's going to end at CJ McCollum. Ben Simmons for CJ McCollum this offseason, along with some other stuff. Portland's not going to get away with just sending CJ, like who's a lot older and isn't as good. But they're going to find a way to reconfigure their roster a bit. The CJ McCollum, Joel Embiid pick and roll game is going to be interesting. Uh, They're going to be able to play a little bit more traditionally than they have. Uh, And we'll see if it works. Uh, But I think that they're going to lose in the second round to the Milwaukee Bucks. They'll probably get a three seed, but the Bucks will be the two. At the one, I think the Brooklyn Nets are going to get healthy and get angry. We just saw uh, Giannis go on TV and be like, eh, I could have gone to a super team with the subtext of, like some other players that I know, including one James Harden. And I think the Nets are going to get healthy. They're going to get angry and they're going to get some chemistry together along what is going to be a very interesting path for them. If Kyrie Irving. Kevin Durant, James Harden, if they can all get together, along with Joe Harris, along with Blake Griffin, and all the other pieces that they've brought together, and just work out together for an offseason, figure out what they want to do, I think that they're going to be really, really good again. And I think that they're going to make an NBA Finals. Uh, they didn't have it against the Bucks, but I think that they will have it going forward. It often takes 
beyond the first year. Moving to the West, the Lakers and LeBron James, I don't know if they're ever going to get fully healthy again, especially LeBron. Uh, it's, it's tough to bet against the King, don't get me wrong, but he is now getting to a point physically where it's going to be really difficult for him to continue to do what he does. And we already saw kind of the makings of it this past season. And LeBron, I think he's, what, third all-time in minutes, minutes played? He's about to go into his age 37 season. He could be like Tom Brady and just continue to play and continue to be good, but he's going to have to change his game a little bit. And I'm not sure the Lakers are going to be able to get him what he wants, whether that's a third star, whether that's the right role players. They're going to be really capped out. They're paying LeBron. They're paying AD. Paying a lot of guys. And it's going to be difficult to figure out how to navigate that process, I think. Uh, going forward, like I, I, they're going to have to figure out the, the starting center situation, whether it's going to be Marcus Gasol who's under contract, or if they're going to bring back Montrez Harrell, uh, who has a player option, or, uh, heaven forbid, Andre Drummond. They'll have to figure that out. But KCP is on, under contract. Kyle Kuzma's under contract. They have $121 million still lined up for next year, which means that they don't have salary cap space in order to sign players outright. So they're going to have to make trades. They don't have any tra- draft picks to make trades with. So it's going to be tough. And I think that they're also going to lose in the second round as AD struggles to control uh, to carry the load when LeBron James is out. Kawhi Leonard, I think he returns to the Clippers. I think that given the way that the Clippers finished up the season, it is still very possible that they could win a title. But Kawhi has that partially torn ACL. Uh, Not a great look, given how long it took for that to get out. But I think he's going to miss the entire season. And the Clippers, they're going to go out in the first round because they are also capped out. They're going to just struggle to get back their own guys. Probably going to lose at least Reggie Jackson or Nick Batum or one of those players. And maybe Terrence Mann is enough to fill in there. Maybe he's not. So we'll we'll see what happens there. But I'm curious to see what they do. But without Kawhi, it's going to be tough. With Chris Paul, I think he's going to return to Phoenix. There's been noise about him going to New York and New York would be a really good fit for him, actually. But I don't think he's going to go there. I think he's going to stay in Phoenix. They're going to try to finish what they started. And they're going to look like a juggernaut again. They look awesome. But I think they're going to lose in the first round. They're going to lose to the Golden State Warriors, who draft night is coming. They've got the 7th pick, the 14th pick, James Wiseman. They've got Andrew Wiggins' salary. They've got future picks as well. I wonder what they're going to do. I don't know what it is. We'll have to see. But I am very curious to see what the what the Warriors are going to do. I think they're going to try to be very uh, concerted to make a big move on draft night. Whether that's targeting a guy like Ben Simmons. Whether that's targeting a guy like uh, Pascal Siakam. Bradley Beal of the Washington Wizards, though I think he's not available. 
Uh, maybe there's somebody who becomes available that we haven't thought of. Uh, they don't have enough for Damian Lillard. But what if they added CJ McCollum? I don't know. We'll see. I think that they are going to, with Steph back, with Draymond back, Clay Thompson getting back to full health, uh, they're going to look like a different team and they're just, they're going to be pretty good. But they will get to the second round and get bounced by the Dallas Mavericks and Luka Doncic. They have the help of a new teammate in Spencer Dinwiddie who's coming off of an ACL tear himself, a partial ACL tear. And he comes to the Dallas Mavericks and looks like a very interesting counterpart to Luka Doncic. Takes a little bit of time for Spencer Dinwiddie to get up to speed, but they've already taken some injury risks with Kristaps Porzingis and they find a way to ship him out. They kind of center themselves around Luka Doncic, Spencer Dinwiddie, and whoever they get back for Kristaps. And they make it all the way to the Western Conference Finals because Luka is that good. But ultimately, they lose to your Denver Nuggets with new all-star Michael Porter Jr. averaging 22 points a night. Jamal Murray, he's returning in February, working his way back into game shape, trying to figure out how to do this, but he doesn't have to be the second option immediately. He gets to pick and choose the spots because Michael Porter Jr. is playing as well as he is. And then Nikola Jokic, once again putting up video game numbers, doing everything for his team. Doesn't have to do as much, though, from a scoring perspective, because Michael Porter looks like a different player going from year two to year three. Looks like a better ball handler. Looks like a better defender. Does a lot. Having a full offseason really mattered to Michael Porter. And on their way to the finals, the Nuggets beat the LA Clippers, when they only have Paul George. They beat the Los Angeles Lakers, who have a nicked-up LeBron and Anthony Davis, who, while Davis is awesome, there's no stopping what the Nuggets are doing offensively. And then the Dallas Mavericks, who get to a surprising place, but are no match for what the Nuggets are able to do because they don't have the personnel to match up with Joker. And the Nuggets get all the way to the finals. And they face the Brooklyn Nets in an all-offensive series. Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Nikola Jokic, Michael Porter, Jamal Murray. Aaron Gordon's going to be working hard. Bruce Brown's going to be working hard for the the Brooklyn Nets. Blake Griffin's going to be trying to deal with Nikola Jokic, and it's not going to look very good after a while. And the Nuggets, after some struggles, after trying to figure out how to play it, they ultimately succeed. And they win in seven games, with Nikola Jokic going on to have his Giannis moment as the leader of the franchise, but also kind of the connector. He gets to have his moment just like Giannis did. Jamal Murray gets his moment coming back from an ACL tear. Michael Porter has his moment coming back from multiple back surgeries to try to come back to being on top of the world. And the Nuggets, they they just get it done. They figure it out. Now, if this sounds more like a fan fiction than an actual reality, I get it. 
But I really do think that Denver's in line for doing some special stuff. They need the right personnel. They need Michael Porter to take a leap. Once again. But those things are capable. I don't necessarily think that anything that I said is wild. Jamal Murray will have a tough time coming back from injury. But if anybody can come back, it'd be great. It's Jamal. And if you just believe in Nikola Jokic, if you believe in the talent of Jamal Murray, if you believe in the talent of Michael Porter, there is no reason that the Denver Nuggets cannot have their Milwaukee Bucks moment. They have to do it in different ways. They have to figure out how to defend. They've got to do a lot of work. And it might take some tinkering with the personnel, finding a new starting shooting guard in order to get it done. But the Nuggets are going to have to find a way. And they can find a way. It's going to be a tough path. But I think they can do it. That'll do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate it, everybody. Use code MHS when you sign up for DraftKings. Uh, again, as I said at the beginning of this segment, we will be back with Brandon Ewing on Friday. Going to have a lot of fun covering the draft over the course of this next week or so. Uh, getting really deep into it. Make sure to check out our work on Denver Stiffs. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys very soon.